at time of recording. Oh boy. This is Auto Collabs. There is no longer thick sheets of ice where Jeep Wrangler 4x4s <laughs> are sliding down my street. Those it are is awful. finally gone. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's is exactly that, it. Is that the ice song? Okay. No, Dude, that is the ice song. That's actually, I heard that playing in my head. I don't know why, but that's what I heard playing in my head. Like, as I saw the Jeep Wrangler 4x4 oh, uh, no. wasn't, just, rolling, just sliding down the hill. So, wasn't Texas supposed to get ice storms too in the last like two weeks? This is what I love about Texas. Just this weekend, they're like, Okay, like all the schools, just just be on alert. It might rain tonight, and I'm like, it, it might rain, rain tonight. <laughs> Give me a break. So put it, on it, your rain tires. Yeah, you <laughs> your rain tires. <laughs> doesn't even make sense. It doesn't make sense. Which also is why it doesn't make sense that we're just gonna go right into a podcast episode today. We've got Michael Wood, uh, general manager. Jag Land Rover fancy dealer. Waiting for this. I've seen I've seen him on like episodes of the Wheelhouse, right? And like we haven't like, met. Why can't we have him? Yeah. If you, by the way, if you're listening to this, we have a podcast show called The Wheelhouse um, with D- Daniel Govera, and it is awesome. And lots of dealers are guests, and they get speak their mind. And I heard Michael Wood on this now, like, I think like twice. And every time I see him, I'm like, this guy's got it together. Yeah, like, so together. now we get to talk to him and meet him for the first time. Michael, have you ever met Michael? I haven't. Oh, good. Great, grand, super. Michael, meet Michael. Well, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. That's if you can make your way to the call. <laughs> uh, but regardless of who makes it there, we hope that you enjoy this conversation with Michael Wood. Hey, Michael, it's so good to be spending a few minutes with you here today. Thanks for giving us some of your time. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. So um, I'm really excited for this conversation because. I have seen you in a lot of other content and interviews. And every time I see you, I'm like, man, he's got it. He's like, he's got it together. Like he understands what's going on. So like, this is one of those times where I'm like, we don't really know each other, but we kind of know each other. Um, so I don't, I don't even know. Just tell us a little bit about how you got into the position you're in right now. Cause I don't sure. know that answer. Sure. I mean, I, I graduated from the university of Louisville with a degree in political science and economics. And after that, I always had an affinity for sales. I love people. I love being around people and just interacting. I think that comes from my background of my father being a Marine and we moved around a lot. So I got to live in a bunch of different localities. And if you don't get to learn to introduce yourself to people quickly, you're not going to make friends when you're the new guy. So that's kind of where I think I, I got that ability from. Um, I originally got into like, you know, marketing sales, and then um, I got into timeshare sales here in Virginia Beach for a little bit, which was there's the, absolutely there's the ridiculous. Right there. oh, okay, that's legit. Wait, because <laughs> just so you know, I grew up in I grew up in Richmond in my elementary school years, and my family was <laughs> like known known for weathering the storm of a timeshare sale. Absolutely for the free gift, no question. Like, we had it down. The parents were like, you don't say anything. We're not buying anything, but we will 
go on dirt bikes on the sand after this. Sound yep. good? Yeah. <laughs> when I give you this, that's when you start acting up and saying you have to go to the bathroom and you right. say you feel like you're going to throw up. Right? <laughs> you have to have an exit strategy, 100%. You'll get there all day. And we all know salespeople are the easiest to close. But uh, at that time, I ended up meeting my now wife and um, she was living in New York City. So I moved up to New York City and got into orthopedic surgical sales. Um, and being a Southern guy, I didn't really enjoy living in Manhattan. So I came back down here and a good friend of mine, my best friend, his brother was actually in the auto industry. And I kept looking at him. I was like, man, he's got a nice car. He's got a nice house. You know, he's doing all the nice things. I was like, maybe I'm missing out on something. So I got into the industry, uh, July 23rd, 2012, um, first full month. I think I sold somewhere around 15 cars and had the largest paycheck I ever thought I'd see in my life. And I was absolutely hooked. And uh, so I've been with Checkered Flag the entire time, started out as a sales associate, uh, went into finance, went to the desk, finance director, GSM. And then in um, 2021, we made an acquisition of a Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram store. And uh, the dealer and the executive team asked me to go over there, be the general manager and help convert that store to our processes. And then uh, about seven months later, I landed where I am currently, uh, which is at our Jag Land River and Volkswagen campus. You know, so... So here's my big question, though, is is the suit tie and little pocket flag because you're at the JLR dealership or because it's checkered flag? Like, are you that on brand or which way? (laughs) So it it is often that I have to find myself dressing for the occasion. So it depends on which manufacturers coming in to visit. Case in point today, (laughs) I have a conversation with uh, Jag Leonard on Microsoft Teams, so I'm going to look the part for sure. Um, we're actually going to be moving into what we're calling the modern luxury uniform here at Jag Lander for Land River, excuse me, which will get rid of the tie. It'll be like a T-shirt under the suit, kind of very Miami slash Louis Vuitton style oh. look. Uh, trying to edge modern a little bit luxury. into the future. Exactly. Modern luxury. That's when, what customers when are they really no, catch no show up. socks. Exactly. Have pants that are just yep. higher than the ankle. I've got to lose about 30 they- pounds to look good in it. <laughs> <laughs> right. And once they get really dialed in to the look. That's when the black baseball hats come out. Exactly. I was going to order one and put it on like for you guys just during the thing. I was like, I'll mess up my hair. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. You got to have the hair. You know, I just, it just, you said checkered flag and years ago, man, I don't, I can't trying to remember like, was it pre COVID? I think it was pre COVID. I, there was, um, uh, what, what is, um, the Rikus group? What is it? Mike Anderson. Yeah. Mike Anderson was doing a Rikus group event in Richmond. Um, he asked me to kind of come speak and I did. And we visited a checkered flag store. Okay. It was a big one. It was a yeah. big one. It had like, I, I actually remember that. And I think the Walzer group was there and you came and visited. Yes. And I was actually in attendance there. I did a, a PowerPoint presentation on the effects of single point contact and, yes. and the That's efficacy that, for profitability. We were, yes. Cause I'm like, <laughs> That's hilarious. I, really I didn't realize that was like, you. That was me. Yes. That oh, okay. is so funny that this is all what coming together. It's all like, <laughs> I'm like, put the pee in my brain's like, no, you know, you've been with him at some point. That's yeah. it. I was, all I can remember about the checkered flag visit was the intensity of the service bay. It was unbelievable. It was yes. like, you got to out, see our, our pride out. and joy. I mean, that's our Toyota store. It's our flagship store. You know, they do about 5,500 repair orders a month out of there. And it's got a beautiful racing theme to it. Yes. Um, it, we did that in conjunction with Toyota some years ago when we did some remodeling. And, I mean, that thing is a beast. And, you know, the service manager there, Michelle, she runs a wonderful operation. 
I remember. It made an impact. It definitely did. That was a while ago. Yeah. What a different <laughs> life that seems like. So wait, what, what year was that? that I think that was 2019, I think. Yeah. 2019. So how long have you guys been doing the, the single point of contact selling then? So we, we transitioned in the fall of 2015 with our Hyundai Volkswagen division because at that time they were on the same campus. Um, and then about three to four months later, we transitioned the uh, Toyota store and the Honda store. And then within about a year, year and a half, I'd say we, we went total platform as far as used cars went. And then we are now fully, as of January 1 this year, all operations are negotiation free. Uh, Land Rover and Porsche were the last ones to move into that. And we did that as of January 1st. So we're super excited. What a huge deal. It was That's Thursday, exciting. November 7th, 2019. I just had to search it on my Look calendar. at that. <laughs> <laughs> and here we, are. I love and it. here we are. I love it. I love it. So what what is the what do you actually oversee right now? You just mentioned a number of different brands and looking sure. apart. Like what is your actually role entail? So I'm the general manager of the Jag Land Rover store as well as the Volkswagen store. So I handle, you know, obviously all serve fixed operations, all very operations for both stores. Gotcha. Understood. Understood. Yeah. So what are you, what are your aspirations this year? A lot of people getting into 2024 with kind of like audible mentality, right? Like, all right, let's see which way this is going to run. But obviously one of your brands being Highline, one of your brands being uh, not Highline. How are you approaching that as a GM? Like, is there a disparity between the two? Absolutely. I mean, there's two completely different approaches because we're working with two different economies. I mean, when you're looking at a Range Rover customer whose average income is $547,000 and then you try to you know, parse that against a Volkswagen customer, you know, you, you have to have two different experiences, but I'd say that they're not going to be that different. You know, for me in 2024, what I'm looking for is an all out attack on experience. I believe that, you know, we're in an existential crisis when it comes to the dealer franchise model and it's self-inflicted. But we can also fix it. And it's going to come from obviously fixing the two main touch points, which are fixed operations when you come in to service your vehicle and then variable operations when you come in to purchase one. It goes without saying that those need to be on point. But I'm talking about the in-between, you know, when we're not actually trying to extract a sale from somebody, when we're just adding ownership to the to their overall experience or excuse me, adding value to their overall ownership experience. You know, we just did a Defender event down in the Outer Banks in October where we invited 15 Defender owners down. We brought the Land Rover Experience team in from the Biltmore. You know, I set up with Farniente Winery to do a virtual wine tasting with their head sommelier. And, you know, yes, it was an expensive event, an event, excuse me, but everybody loved it. Everybody had a great time. I didn't ask them for anything. I didn't try to sell them anything. Exactly. You know, I want repeat recidivism, excuse me, repeat recidivism business. And that is only going to occur when we can continue to over deliver from what they expect from us. And that's where I think we need to win. We need to add more touch points into the consumer's ownership where we're not trying to extract anything from them. And yes, it will cost money. Let me, let me, let me just ask for another texture because you just mentioned uh, a very expensive event, right? That is for the $537,000 a year average. Yep. How do I translate that for a Volkswagen? It's a great question. And, you know, for us, what we're going to do is we're going to get more involved with the Volkswagen Tidewater Club. Um, You know, we've got some really cool vintage cars in our showroom. You know, in the Volkswagen side, we've got a 23 window Samba um, bus. We've got a Carmen Ghia. We've got two antique Beetles. So I think we're going to lean more into that and inviting more guests to come over to the dealership, you know, some coffee and cars type things. Honestly, I'm really interested to see what my team brings to me. You know, we we live in this idea meritocracy at my campus. So the ideas don't flow down. They flow up and down. So I'm really interested to see what my sales management staff comes up with and what my product specialists come up with as far as what they believe is going to really have an impact on the consumer. You know, it's it's the reality is, is like 
every brand has Subaru does it best. Well, I'll just like start <laughs> and end and agree with that with like the user persona or the driver persona. But every every brand has some level of like driver persona within it. Sometimes it's attached to a particular model. Sometimes it's attached to the overall brand. But like the Defender clearly has high line, luxurious vacation, you know, probably, you know, probably people that love wine already, right? Understand what a Psalm is. And you've leaned into that. There's probably that persona within Volkswagen, right? Like it's beetle lovers. They just, they just, they eat it up. They go to town. They're looking at, they've got Instagram, you know, Volkswagen bugs rolling across their, their profile all day. And I'm sure that exists in, I can't think of a brand that that doesn't exist in. I, I would I would 100% agree. And I think that was one of the smartest things that JLR did this year by, you know, bifurcating into the house of brands, because to your point, a Range Rover customer is different from a Defender customer, which is different from a Volkswagen customer. And within Volkswagen, yeah. I mean, you've got those people that are just crazy about their golf R's. You've got the Jetta right. enthusiasts, you know, they, yeah. they create a cult following. And, you know, with the ID buzz coming out this year and the ID seven, you know, it's time to lean into that stuff so that we can get people excited and put the fun back into buying cars. I remember we used to, you know, I was at Mazda stores. We would have like Miata days, right? And I'm telling you, you couldn't keep people. It was unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, Miata's everywhere. We'd put them, we'd let them go back in. You know, we had a tech dedicated that we'd put a couple of Miatas up on a lift and it was insane. So I, I, I know that that, I, I, what's, how do you, <laughs> when you're thinking about the cost of that, right? Because typically when we're looking at marketing expenses or expenses across the departments, like that one, you can't go like, oh, that's a sales expense. Oh, that's a service expense. Or that's like, oh, I, I'm going to calculate that into this month's marketing cost of acquired sale or anything like that. Are you like from a just raw accounting level, are you looking at the PL differently now because of that? Yeah, you know, one of the things I'm measuring, you know, we've only done the one event so far. We've got a couple more for Jaglander for setup and one setup for VW in the near future. But what I'm looking at is the ability to reduce when it comes to third party vendors. So case in point, you know, I got rid of cars.com, you know, because I want more traffic on my tier three site than I'm than paying to send people to another site in hopes that they come back to my site. And so if I'm going to, if I continue to grow and I'm able to lower my marketing expenses, then for me, you know, yes, I can't say that that's exact causation, but there's definitely has to be a correlation between the experiences that we're providing with the customer and the reduction in the need for marketing expenditures. So we're a little early to be able to kind of like analyze that fully, but we do yeah. get support from Jaguar as well. So it does offset the expense um, and it makes it very palatable. And what's really nice is having the backing of the dealer. You know, when he's, you present these wild ideas and you're like, hey, I'm going to spend money. And then he says, do it. You know, it, it's, it's kind of exciting, you know, because most of the dealers are like, you know, that mentality that they want to reduce, reduce, reduce. You know, our dealer has an opposite mentality. I can bring him an idea that could add a million dollars to the bottom line, but if it increases the customer's effort to transact, it's a non-starter. Got it. Wow. Wow. That's, I mean... <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. He said wait. add a million to the bottom line, as in generate a million dollars in profit. Mm -hmm. Right. But if it makes the process longer and more difficult, he's out. He's out. Yeah, 100%. that's what he said. And yeah. that's that's massive because every, most people in the industry would be like, whatever you have to do, 
to add a million dollars. Doesn't really even yeah. matter what the customer feels. Well, because right? that that person's playing checkers. They're not playing chess. We're a sixty-year-old wow. family-owned organization, and so we're not looking for the the short satisfaction. I don't want to sell just one car to you, Kyle. I want to sell you. I want to sell your wife. I want to sell your kids. I want to sell your auntie and your uncle. I want to sell everybody in your family because we've created an experience that is diametrically opposed to what's being offered in the marketplace. You know, in broken windows, broken business, they say the way you earn a customer over to you is by being demonstrably better. Well, that means the experience has to be significantly better than what's out there. And it doesn't have to be the best price. Customers want a fair price, a transparent process and an advocate. And by taking away some of the things that we've done, like no commission, et cetera, it really creates a level of ag- advocacy for the staff with their consumers. That's one of the things that I, that like when I talk to people about, hey, what are you doing for experience? And they're like, ah, I know some people are doing the one price or the one person out there, but the one price thing, like customers always, I'm going to have to have the best price in the market every time and I'm just going to lose margin. But what I'm hearing from you and from my experience is that that's not, that's not always the case. Like you don't, it's not, it doesn't continue to be a race to the bottom as you create this type of experience. Yeah. You you have to pay to play, you know, in the beginning, you're going to have to be the best price because that's the cost of entry. You want to make sure that you can get the people through the doors. And at that point you have to deliver that different experience. And over time, as you continue to deliver that different experience, it does afford you to increase your front end um, price points but we're not talking about being the highest price in the market, but we're also not talking about being the lowest. There is a value to the customers and they, they say it loud every day with being transparent and open. I mean, if you take the state of Virginia, I believe uh, I could be off on 2023 numbers, but I think seven of the 10 largest used car dealerships were car mats. I mean, I don't know what more of a statement you need than that to say, Hey, we want to transact differently. You know, we've always put the customer into the box that's most profitable for us instead of asking the hard questions of how do you want to transact and then building the profitable box around that. That's the future. That's what our industry has to do. So you've definitely seen a lot of the pain and have you, you, the dealer, right? The other management team have been willing to engage the pain and the discomfort of transitioning to like single point of contact, right? And you've, that was been very intentional. We're in a day and age where there are, a lot of dealers kind of circling the runway on that or seriously considering it in a way they never had before because of the the current climate. What would you say to them? Like, what were the biggest hangups when you were making the decision to go in and the biggest pain points? And what did you learn on the other side when you pushed through them? So what I will say is that it has to start with the dealer. You know, Mr. Schneider came in and he told us, you know, the ship's been turned around 180 degrees. There is no motor. There are no uh, oars. We're not turning back around. This is the future and this is the path. And there has to be that sort of dedication from the dealer to start with. But then once you transition, it's kind of about pointing out things to the customer. I mean, to the to the customer. I say customer because I, I feel like my employees are my customer. But um you have to point out things, you know, one of the big things when you go to commission free is, oh, I can't make, you know, $2,000 on that deal anymore. No, but what were you making per car in the, in the traditional model? And let me show you what you can make per car in this model. And if you can sleep a little bit better at night and your per car average stays the same, isn't that a win? Doesn't that, yeah. like, doesn't that make you a little bit happy? And that's what we found. That's I mean, our, our averages are quite high when it comes to what we pay per car, but that's because we expect an experience and we get to deliver that by paying the uh, the uh, product specialists, what they're deserved. You know, their job is to find the least expensive vehicle that best fits the customer's need at any one of our locations. All right. 
<laughs> so <laughs> and there's so much to chew on. I've heard those words before. Oh, I'm yeah. sure you have. <laughs> <laughs> I think you and I know some of the same people, Michael. I think we do. <laughs> but that's good because that means the it message is getting spread around and that people are, are seeing that. I, what I really hope that comes out of COVID is that we realize that we can get to a point to where pricing no longer matters. Because isn't that what COVID showed us? I mean, we went from $2,500 below invoice on Toyota Camrys to $5,000 above. And mm -hmm. at the same time, demand was always there. So it's never really been about price. It's always been about how we treat the customer. And we've always made it about price. We've always said, hey, well, you know what? We're not going to fix who we are. We're just going to discount our way to a sale. And that is not sustainable. The customer to ask the question. Absolutely. Respect we it. Yes. Yep. Et cetera. Um, all right. So we don't have, we only have a couple minutes left here, but um, when we think about leading your team into 2024, uh, a lot of leaders we know, like we'll have a focus, a word, a trajectory. What is your focus in team leadership uh, in your stores into 2024? So I, I just finished reading a book by David McCullough and now I'm moving on to um, what is it? Unreasonable hospitality. And I, I started reading the insert this morning from Simon Sinek and I wrote it down because I, I thought it was, it is going to be my mantra for 2024. Oh, oh, we lost him right before. Hold on. We lost him the best part. He'll be back. He'll be back. We'll get, we'll both grab the book. Yeah. I'm looking for mine right now. <laughs> you said uh, we lost you for a second, but we, we lost like, you. Start looking around for our copies of unreasonable. There's there it is. Yeah. Ours, I don't know where it is. But I mean, right in the intro from, from Simon Sinek, he says something that says, um, the two cannot be separated. Great service cannot exist without great leadership. And for me, I feel like that, that makes sure that I'm always looking out for my staff, that I'm making sure that pay plans are fair, that I'm making sure that they're taking their time off. When I do the time cards every two weeks, I'm looking at how many hours they're working per week. And is it fair to them? You know, and is it also fair to the dealer? Are they working too little or are they working too much? And often we find specifically when it comes to service consultants and product specialists, i.e. sales associates, that they're spending their lives here, that that's not what we signed up for. Nobody did. You didn't come to this job saying, hey, I will give you my life in exchange for an income. You said, I'll give you 40 to 45 hours a week in exchange for an income. And my, my driving force for 2024 is getting as much productivity and efficiency out of those people in the time that they need to be here, not a minute longer. I want them out there with their families doing what they should be doing. I love it. Well, hey, look, you are going to wildly enjoy that book. I've read it a time and a half. I've got to finish the, the second time through at this point. Paul and I are committed to it. Um, and by by note that that's what you're committed to in the books that you're reading, I know that you're leading an incredible team and, and the work that you've done, I think will be an encouragement to a lot of people. So uh, thank you so much uh, on behalf of myself and Paul for joining us here on Autoclubs today. I appreciate it. Thanks for everything you guys are doing and thanks for having me. You didn't even make it to the call, man. You didn't even make it. How'd it go, guys? How was it? <laughs> guys, so the funny thing is Michael Cirillo didn't make it to the call. So Kyle and I got to talk to Michael Wood all to ourselves. And I got to You know say, what I'm really concerned about is the people that watch, in particular, if you're watching our intros and outros, you're like, but why are they all wearing the same clothes? Well, because my closet. continuity, people. Continuity. Continuity. The, the, the the continuity, the steps that we take to have visual continuity are actually pretty fun and humorous. One day, maybe we'll make a B-roll of that. But but let's be real. If you go in any one of our clothes closets, 
it's kind it's of like you're shopping at a retail store where you just have like 20 of the same thing on a rack. Yeah. It's the Henry Ford mentality. It's like you it's can not have even any shirt as good you as, want, as long as it's store. black. Yeah. As long exactly. as it's black. I mean, it's the Mark Zuckerberg. It's the Steve Jobs. Like, I wear the same thing. So I don't have to think it's about It's the same type of else. innovation that Michael was talking about, actually. And, and this actually is a really good segue into this because for them as an organization to way earlier than anybody else in the country, maybe then like save 10 dealer groups, be thinking about one price, single point of contact. The things that like now in 2024, it's starting to become a normal conversation. I've Very been normal. in the last week, gotten three requests for who do you know that oh, wow. does this? Who do you know that does it well? They were doing it back then. Like they've always been pursuing a better customer and employee experience. Without a doubt. Let me give you a little insight too that um, I didn't share with either of you before the interview. Um, Michael made a comment on one of my LinkedIn posts and it was a post about pretty much like if we had a session at a SotoCon that was like how to be a great parent and a great professional and brought in somebody, a professional to help us like navigate like parenting while we're busy and finding balance there. Michael's response, his comment to that post was this. Boy. I don't have kids, but I really want to go to that session so I understand my team who has kids mm. even more. Aww. And I was like, that is exactly See, yeah. what we're business talking about. Person, business person. Yes, business person, human person, um, people that loves people more than he loves cars and fancy enough that happens to make him a really successful car dealer. So uh, on behalf of Kyle here, Michael Cirilla and myself, thank you so much for joining us with this conversation. I hope to see you next time on Auto Collabs. Sign up for our free and fun to read daily email for a free shot of relevant news in automotive, retail, media, and pop culture. You can get it now at asotu.com. That's A-S-O-T-U.com. If you love this podcast, please leave us a review and share it with a friend. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. Welcome to Auto Collapse. <laughs> Why are we recording? Are we rolling yet? <laughs>